I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Queen has died. She was 96. The BBC is interrupting its normal programmes to bring you an important announcement. This is BBC News from London. Buckingham Palace has announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. In a statement, the palace said the Queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. The King and the Queen Consort will remain at Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow. As the UK and the Commonwealth come to terms with the end of her 70-year reign, we now enter a time most of us have never witnessed. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, a country in mourning, the next 10 days. Everything that happens over the next 10 days, from the posting of the announcement of the Queen's death on the railings of Buckingham Palace, to her internment in the Royal Vault at Windsor, has been planned for decades. Each detail has been minutely scrutinised by generations of officials over the years. But at the same time, there's also an element of unpredictability. How will the British people respond? How many of them will want to be part of the mourning? And how in turn will the royal family react? This, as far as it can be known, is what will happen. My name is Valentine Lowe and I am the Royal Correspondent for The Times. Valentine, you've covered the royal family for years. The Queen has been the Queen my entire life. What does her passing mean to you? I think it's very hard to put it into words. She's all we've known. All my life, all our life, she has symbolised the country. It's a sort of unspoken thing, and it's part of who we are. And I think there'll be a sort of a sense of loss, which is different from a sense of grief. You'll feel that somehow the country's changed, that somehow we've changed, and something has gone. She's been this extraordinary figurehead. And then Charles has come in, and we look on him differently. We don't look at him in this as a sort of 
almost mysterious figurehead figure. We kind of know Charles as a human being much more. We know his passions, his foibles, his idiosyncrasies, his beliefs. We respond to him much more as a human being. Today, the first day following the death of Her Majesty, is the beginning of an important and intricate process. Today is the day that Charles will be proclaimed king. Now, of course, we've all assumed that he'll be proclaimed King Charles III, but there have been suggestions that uh, he will choose to be George VII. Uh, he can, in fact, pick any name he likes, but I think almost certainly the money will be on Charles III. Now, the most important thing that happens first is the meeting of something called the Accession Council. Now, that is the body which confirms Charles as sovereign. This all happens in St. James's Palace. And first of all, the Accession Council meets in the picture gallery of St. James's Palace without the king. This body is made up of members of the Privy Council. They're the formal body of advisors to the sovereign, as well as some other people like the great officers of state, the Lord Mayor of London, and the high commissioners from the 14 other realms where the monarch is sovereign. Now, there are hundreds of uh, privy councillors, mainly parliamentarians, but also people like judges and archbishops and so on and so forth. In theory, they're all invited, but they wouldn't all fit in to the picture gallery, so expect only a proportion of them to be there. When the meeting begins, the Lord President of the Council announces the death of the sovereign and then calls on the clerk of the council to read aloud the text of the accession proclamation. These words are completely enshrined in precedent, only the names changed. And so what we'll expect to hear is him reading out something which starts, Whereas it hath pleased almighty God to call to his mercy our late sovereign, Lady Queen Elizabeth II, of blessed and glorious memory, by whose decease the crown is solely and rightfully come to the high and mighty Prince Charles Philip Arthur George. We therefore, the Lord spiritual and temporal of this realm, being here assisted with these, Her Late Majesty's Privy Council, with representatives of other members of the Commonwealth. After that, what's known as the Platform Party will sign the proclamation. And then after they've concluded that Charles is the just and rightful heir, he'll be invited into part two of the Accession Council, which sort of is in effect his first Privy Council meeting, and that is held in the throne room of St. James's Palace. Now, one of the most important things he does then is to take an oath relating to the security of the Church of Scotland. This is a strange and anomalous bit of history which goes back to the Act of Union of 1707 and it's been taken by every sovereign since George I and it's all about faithfully promising the swearing to maintain and preserve the settlement of the true Protestant religion in Scotland. Once all that is over, there will be a 41-gun salute fired by the King's Troop Royal Horse Artillery in Hyde Park. After that, there will be a 62-gun salute uh, fired by the Honourable Artillery Company at the Tower of London. There will be various bits of 
business. So the new king will at some point in this process meet the realm high commissioners. There's a lot of jargon here. Realms are, of course, those uh, countries where the king is sovereign, places like Australia and Canada and New Zealand, and also places like Jamaica and Papua New Guinea. And the high commissioners, that's the equivalent of ambassador for a realm. And of course, these are very important because Charles will be king of these countries. And it's very important to have a formal uh, meeting with the representatives of those countries as soon as possible. There will be further meetings. He'll have a meeting with the prime minister and the cabinet, the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Dean of Westminster. While all this is going on, books of condolence will be opened all around the country, really. St. James's Palace, the Queen's Gallery, that's next to Buckingham Palace. Also in Scotland, the Palace of Holyrood House at, at Balmoral, Sandringham, at Windsor Castle, and so on. Behind the scenes, preparations for 10 days of ceremony will already have started. So Westminster Hall, where the Lion State will take place, that will be cleaned, its floor will be covered with 1,500 metres of carpet, and the processional routes, which are very important. It's how the public will see what's going on. They'll be made ready. So today is really busy. Very much so. Apart from the day of the funeral itself, I'd say it's the most important day of this process. And by the end of today, there are going to be a lot of tired people. Very much so, and they'll be even more tired in 10 days' time, I can tell you. Now let's talk about what the new king will be doing in the next few days, as you understand it. One of the most important things that the king will be doing is going around the nation, going around the four corners of the United Kingdom. This is a new thing. It's it's one of the things that's been introduced while over the decades they've been planning this process. They thought it was incredibly important as part of the process of sort of symbolising the unity of the United Kingdom. In Scotland, you go to the Palace of Holyrood House, there'll be something called the Ceremony of the Keys. What happens then is the Lord Provost of Edinburgh hands over the keys of the city to the sovereign. Uh, there'll also be a service that'll take place at St. Giles's Cathedral. And after that, the king will go to Northern Ireland. There'll be a similar sort of ceremonial and church service. And after that, he'll go to Cardiff, where again, the same sort of thing will happen. Did the late Queen make similar trips to the parts of the United Kingdom after King George VI died, or is this an innovation? No, this is very much an innovation, and it's one of the things that's been introduced. Again, as I said, it's all about reinforcing the united bit of the United Kingdom. Which prompts the question, since we now enter that period, which is how much of what we're going to witness is essentially exactly what has been witnessed before, uh, in centuries before, and how much of it will be changed and will be, if you like, brushed up for the fact that this is an entirely different era. One of the things is the amount of travel involved. It's much easier nowadays, even than it was in 1952. Other things will be largely the same. I mean, I think the, the, the processions and the funeral will bear, I think it will bear strong resemblance 
what's happened on previous occasions. But these things get tweaked every time. I think one of the things where you'll see the greatest difference is not now, but later at the coronation. I think Charles's coronation will be significantly different from that of the Queen. I can't help feeling, you know, Valentine, if he's canny, he'll introduce a note of celebration into this period, somehow or other, a celebration for a life. There'll be elements of mourning, there'll be elements of symbolising the solemnity of the role he's taking on. I think the opportunity to celebrate the Queen's life, that might come later. The Queen is currently at Balmoral. We know that the Scottish Parliament will be suspended and that she will lie at rest at Holyrood House in Edinburgh. She'll then be taken to St Giles Cathedral on the city's Royal Mile before she's brought down to London. What happens after that? The Queen's coffin will be taken to Westminster Hall for the lying in state, during which the public will have an opportunity to pay their respects. And if the vast queues that we saw following the death of the Queen Mother are anything to go by... And awaiting now for the first visitors to file past and... The public have turned out in their thousands. There'll be queues round the block and beyond. The estimate at the moment is that quarter of a million people are waiting to pass by the coffin. The queue stretches right down long Victoria Tower Gardens over the River Thames on Lambeth Bridge. In all, it runs apparently for two and a half miles. What will happen is the coffin, which is draped with the royal standard, will be moved from the throne room in Buckingham Palace to the bow room. And there, the imperial state crown, and that's the crown that the Queen wore after the coronation when she left the Abbey, and also it was the one that she wore at the state opening of Parliament every year until, I think, 2016. So this imperial state crown will be placed upon the coffin and a wreath of flowers. And then after prayers, the coffin will be borne on a gun carriage by the King's Troop Royal Horse Artillery to Westminster Hall. And there's a prescribed route. It goes along the Mall, it goes along Horse Guards, and then Whitehall. And during the procession, Big Ben will toll, and members of the family are expected, including possibly, probably, I don't know, the king, are expected to walk behind the coffin. Now, during the lion state, there's a continuous vigil around the coffin by the king's bodyguards. That's the gentlemen at arms. From Scotland, there's the royal company of archers and also the yeomen of the guard. And members of the household division will also take their turn. And it's possible. It's probably likely that at some point in this process, members of the late Queen's family will take their turn to mount a vigil around the coffin. That's certainly what happened to the Queen Mother, isn't it? It was the Duke of York who led the solemn, extraordinary procession of grandsons. Then Viscount Linley, son of the late Princess Margaret, behind them the Prince of Wales. The three followed to the side of the coffin by the Earl of Wessex. They took their positions as close to royal statues as they could possibly be. What happened was Prince Charles, Prince Edward and Prince Andrew and Viscount Lindley, he was the fourth one, mounted a vigil around uh, the Queen Mother's coffin. Viscount Lindley was, of course, the Queen Mother's grandson, as they all were. Now, who will mount a vigil this time? 
can't be certain, but we think it's probably going to be the King, the Duke of York, the Earl of Wessex, and the Princess Royal. Now, to be clear, we would anticipate that there will be a queue for the public and the public will file slowly past the edge of the coffin. Is that right? That's right, yes. And that could be a very slow queue and there could be an awful lot of people in it. That is a logistical business, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. As one journalist famously remarked after the death of Sir Winston Churchill, that there were two rivers in London that day the Thames and the river of people queuing up to see Churchill's coffin. And for a lot of people, it will be out of respect. And for others, it will be, in addition, a moment of history because we haven't seen anything like that since before even an ancient person like me was born. Absolutely. People will take their kids, won't they? Because it'll be something for, for their kids to remember all their life. Yeah. So after the lying in state has taken place, then I think we have the funeral. How will that day go? Now, the interesting thing about this is we know what happens around the funeral. We know what happens after the funeral. We don't know yet what will happen during the funeral. They've kept that pretty close to their chest, the palace authorities. It'll start off about 10.30 in the morning when a bearer party will move the coffin from the catafalque, that's the kind of structure which has been sitting on in Westminster Hall, from the catafalque to the state gun carriage, which will be just outside uh, Westminster Hall. There's been this tradition at uh, the funeral of monarchs that they're born on a gun carriage. This started with the funeral of Queen Victoria and has been adhered to ever since. Members of the royal family will follow the coffin as it's taken to the west door of Westminster Abbey. The service, which will probably be conducted by the Dean of Westminster, will start at 11 and last about an hour. And it'll end with last post and revalley, sounded by four state trumpeters. followed by the national anthem. Now, what happens next is interesting because it's a chance for the public to see the coffin. It's also where the coffin is going next. A bearer party will carry the coffin back to the state gun carriage and it'll then be taken along a route to Wellington Arch. It'll go via Whitehall, Horse Guards, the Mall, the Queen Victoria Memorial, that's the great memorial opposite Buckingham Palace and Constitution Hill, up to Hyde Park Corner and Wellington Arch. And the coffin will then be transferred to the state hearse, and there'll be a royal salute in the national anthem, and then it'll be driven to Windsor. It'll get to St George's Chapel. There, there'll be a service of committal. Now, this will be the last bit of ceremony that day that will be televised. It'll take place in the afternoon, about four o'clock, before the final hymn. The imperial state crown, the orb and the scepter, very much the symbols of the sovereign, will be removed from the coffin. And at the end of the service, the coffin will be lowered into the royal vault. Now, this is the last resting place of members of the royal family, including George III, George IV, William IV, and people will probably remember Prince Philip's coffin being lured into the royal vault. 
There'll be a blessing by the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, singing the national anthem. Now, the final thing that will happen will be in the evening, and this is a deeply personal moment. This is when members of the royal family will say their final farewells to the Queen. They'll get to the deanery, and then the Dean of Windsor will take them to this small chapel on the side of St George's Chapel called the King George VI Memorial Chapel. It's where the late King, George VI, is buried. It's where the Queen Mother is buried, and it's where the Queen will be buried. There'll be a private burial service, which will not be televised, during which we expect the King to scatter earth upon his mother's coffin, just as she did at the end of the funeral of her father. She will be joined by Prince Philip. Until now, Prince Philip's coffin has been in the royal vault. When she is buried in the King George VI Memorial Chapel, he will join her, alongside her father, her mother, and her sister's ashes. So the Queen has been buried, and Charles is king, but we haven't yet had the coronation. Is the coronation simply a a celebration, a formal marking of the king you already have? Charles will have been king from the moment his mother died. That's when you become king. The coronation, it's a formal moment, it's a celebration, and there's no set rule about when it happens. So, so for the queen, her coronation was in fact a full 16 months after she became queen. It was a long time. I think we can expect Charles's to happen much sooner. My guess is within four to five months. So that means, as from today, there are a whole group of people who are going to be ferociously busy making sure that everything is done right and hits the right tone, is organised in the right way, right the way up for the next four months. Absolutely. And of course, Charles's coronation will be very different to his mother's. Elizabeth's coronation was a sort of last great imperial hurrah. It was a very different Britain to the one we live in today. The service took more than three hours, and you had sort of vast, huge numbers of peers doffing their coronets. The role of the aristocracy will be much diminished, I suspect. It'll be shorter. And the last time that the Abbey was absolutely chock-a-block with people, they managed to squeeze in a huge, I think something like 8,000 people into the Abbey. It was kind of monstrous, really. I think there'll be fewer people there this time because it's televised. I mean, the Queen's coronation was televised. But because it's televised, I think there's a sense that that's how people will see it. And there will be some kind of interfaith element, whether it's actually part of the coronation service or whether there's some other ceremony afterwards, we don't know yet. But they would have been thinking about this for decades, and Charles would have taken this very seriously. He's very passionate about interfaith issues, and he's very keen to speak to the whole nation. And he acknowledges that we live in a different country to the one where we lived in 1953.
You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, Royal Correspondent for The Times, Valentine Lowe. You can read more of The Times' coverage of the death of Queen Elizabeth at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Edward Drummond and Olivia Case. The executive producer is Kate Ford. Sound design was by David Crackles and John Scott. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.